You know what that sound means. Welcome to the most interesting part of your day. An exciting episode of the Metaphysical Mysteries with your intrepid hosts, Dr. Terry Trubla and Tom Greenhall. Always finding the seekers in this world and reporting it directly to you, the free and the brave. We encourage all of our fans to check out our website at www.themetaphysicalmysteries.com where we have more content and reference items, links to many of our amazing and cutting-edge guests. We are excited to have you with us again. And as you know, this is the must-do podcast for anybody who is anybody in the metaphysical field. We cover everything from ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, amazing healing sciences, and leading technologies that are simply the coolest. We'll bring in researchers, doctors, and authors, and give you content that you cannot get anywhere else. Check out our latest merchandise and proudly wear and use the Metaphysical Mysteries clothing and accessories. Now, on with our next episode. Good morning, folks. Hey, this is Terry and Tom here with another exciting episode of the Metaphysical Mysteries podcast. Today we have with us an author, a medium, uh, all-around intuitive, Claire of every kind, <laughs> and uh, hailing from the great state of Texas. You don't mess with Texas, of course. Uh, Catherine Branham. Catherine, great to have you here. Thank you so much, Terry and Tom. I'm very grateful to be here with you. Very honored. Well, we appreciate having you. Uh, you and I have had an opportunity to uh, talk a little bit, and uh, wow, uh, I'm impressed. And I'm not easily impressed, but you're, you're top, top notch, no doubt about it. Thank you so much, Terry. And, and likewise, when, when we had the, you know, a moment to really uh, talk, I really noticed your energy field. That was the first thing that really showcased to me was the blue in the energy field. And immediately, you know, I knew, okay, you know, this is a phenomenal being uh, and that blue energy field indicates you, you come from the blue ray, you know, you flew, your soul came through that blue grid and it's your soul purpose. You know, it indicates a lot of soul purpose there. Well, I guess it's good that I wore a blue uniform my whole life. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Well, Hey, give us a little background of, uh, so the, the listeners know exactly, you know, where you come from and what's your, what's your gig. I know you got a really interesting, um, how should I say, nickname here. Uh, I got the self-help <laughs> slut. Right, right. <laughs> well, whenever I decide to write a workbook, I wanted to write it about releasing judgment of not just yourself, but of others. And it's one of releasing judgment of self is one of the biggest things that people, you know, work struggle with day to day. And it's not because of what we're born with. It's because of when a person is born, the filters over the chakras are not to the, the solid state they need to be to carry you into adulthood for protection. So you usually absorb whatever it is that is given to you, that's fed to you through your parents, through your church, people that you're exposed to. And we take that in as a sponge. So at the age of seven, I was in the kitchen getting a glass of water and I hear spirit say, look up. And I look up and there is a physical man outside the kitchen window and I scream. So 
mom comes running in from the other room and says, what's going on? And by the time I could get words out, I said, there's a man at the window. And she says, well, look at you, you're dressed like a slut. And so I looked down and I'm wearing a oversized men's XL t-shirt that my father was given from the Ford dealership. And, you know, they were handed to us to wear his sleep shirts. And I thought, well, what's a slut? So when, when dad came in, you know, I'm still trying to get myself together. He checked the perimeter of the house and said, are you okay? And I said, yes, dad, what's a slut? And he said, where did you hear that word? And I said, well, mom called me that word. And he said, don't you say that word. So I knew at the time it was, it was a derogatory word and perhaps you may not want to be called a slut, but I didn't have any other meaning behind it. So it didn't, didn't phase me. And so when I went to name the workbook, I named the workbook self-help slut, because if you do not take ownership of a name or a title, it's not you, you know, it would be, it would be like me telling you you're a horrible you know, biochemist. And you're like, well, who cares? I'm not a biochemist, you know, of course I'd be horrible at it. So it is about uh, releasing that judgment. And I feel if I can get beyond some of the names that, you know, that I was carried, uh, that I was told, surely if you don't take identity to it, you can get beyond it. And I wanted it cheeky enough. So if people look at the title and they say, oh my gosh, that's horrible they're the ones that need it the most because at this point, you know, in life, you really need to look at yourself, determine what is important to you, what you want to carry and what you don't want to carry. And I do feel that there's so many people that have been judged wrongly by church or by family because they just didn't know any better. It was just handed down abuse or handed down teachings you're exactly right and we've talked about that on the podcast that the damage that's done sometimes inadvertently by family and church I mean it's just it's just a dogma I mean the preachers or ministers whatever they're they're taught certain things they just hand it down oftentimes it's kind of pre-packaged for them to deliver on Sunday morning it's usually not a free flow uh, situation or some kind of catechism type thing it's memorization and you know yes kids absorb that like sponges and it just does some significant damage in many cases but i will say on the flip side if good things are passed down they absorb that as well right you know and it's something a, a telltale sign to parents young parents old parents grandparents hey be careful what you say and jesus said that be careful what your, your words carry power you know and, and and kids will absorb that if you tell them there's there's something they'll believe it and if you tell them they're not something they'll believe that as well so you've got to be cautious with that so yes, fantastic. Well, you got a couple of books out too. You want to go through a couple of those things? Oh, yes, I have how I found my superpowers. And I wrote the book so I could really explain to some of the people I've worked with over the years. I had been doing readings for 11 years at that time. And so many people would say, how do you know that? I mean, how did you know that, you know, that one particular thing? And it's too much to explain to them. So when I sat down to put the book together, I sat with spirit and said, what do I need to include in here? What's important? And the main message that came across is don't overwhelm them with too much information. People pick up a book and they're going, oh God, I'll never be able to figure this out. 
it's too much and I'm probably not worthy enough. So I took them from the very beginning of when I started noticing colors around people's energy field. And it was the same as, you know, seeing a lizard that changes colors when he moves to a brown branch. So when I'd see a certain color, I knew, okay, you better run. This person is mad. They're about, you know, they're about to get you. Or if I saw a really great color like yellow, that their body was emanating yellow and it goes beyond our soul color. It's the emotional color. Right. I knew they're in a great mood. It's safe to be around them. Right. And yeah, the, those were the telltale signs. And so I included the stories and the events that happened that taught me about the spirit world. And it, one of the events includes the first time I saw a soul leave the body. I was at a dance recital. And at that point, I didn't realize no one else was seeing colors around the energy field until the soul left the body. And I thought nobody else saw that. And when I confirmed with my mother, did that woman just left her body? She said, no, she didn't. She's loaded up on a stretcher. She's going to be just fine. Don't worry about her. She's on the way to the hospital. And after that, I started really taking notes of when, you know, right before someone was going to pass, I would see souls come across and stand with them until they got ready to pass and the events that happened before the passing. So it, it is, uh, the interesting part is the light that we carry. It's not just the soul light that we have that we incarnate with, but it's the light that we emanate when we have something emotional happened to us, you know, whether it be good, bad, scary, or we're angry, it changes. And when there is living anything, anything that's alive, it emanates an aura. And that aura is a telltale sign on our health, our well-being, and even our demise. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fascinating. I know um, energy fields are uh, an area that you know, we haven't talked about a lot on the podcast, but, and I think for somebody who sees auras and the energy field and so forth, a lot of people, you know, ask, uh, you know, I know when, when I interact with them, but others who are in the same field, what does my, what does my aura look like? You know, well, it does change depending on your mood, but then you have your, what I call your standard, you know, your go-to constant. I don't know what you see, but is that something that you see the same way? That's absolutely true. Every soul comes through a certain grid and that grid, so many people identify characteristics uh, with horoscope. So they may say, oh, you know, you're a Libra. So you're very balanced, you know, you're very right and wrong. Uh, but the soul color, you can't, you, that doesn't lie. Your soul color is your true North. And so when you have uh, a color in your energy field, that's your overall color. But when you're angry, that color is still present but the emotion feeds through that color and you can see it. Uh, the, the other book I wrote is, it was murder. And in the book, uh, I talk about when souls come forward or spirits come forward, the light around their energy field will indicate, did they go into the light? And if the light around the energy field is brightened and clean, I know, They've gone into the light. They're touched by God, what we would see as God. And they did cross and they're just here to visit. But if the light around them is dingy, I know they never made it across. And so in the book, I talk about 
telling the difference between the ones that have crossed and the ones that had not crossed. Yeah, I'll have to read that because, of course, you know what I do um, yeah. on the side. But um, we call it, um, you know, when they don't cross. Well, we, we kind of go down this line. I, I will tend to tell people, you know, there's two different kinds of dead folks. Really, there's three, but two different kinds of dead folks. One's across, which is probably in the 80, 85 percentile, at least somewhere in that range, I would say. And then there's the others um, that don't for any number of reasons. Uh, typically, they want to communicate something. They're scared. Um, you know, they don't really want to go just yet. They're cantankerous, <laughs> whatever. And I call those folks, they're in the gray, which is a la your dingy color. And sometimes you see them like they've got blinders on and they'll look this way and that way. They, they hardly ever look up and you got to actually tell them. Uh, you know, when you're moving them, you know, to, to look up and uh, I, and then there's below the gray, I guess I would call it into the darkness, uh, a whole different level uh, that, you know, people fear, I guess that, and I, and I understand why, because there's not much light, if at all. Uh, so the, uh, when you're dealing with ghosts, if you will, that's the grays is what I call them, you know, they bump, they go bump in the night. Uh, and uh, people ask me, well, don't they know better? I said, listen, if they were stupid when they were alive, <laughs> they're still stupid when they're dead um, until they cross over and get the, a, a bit of enlightenment to the thing. I mean, they're just the same type of person because uh, when you talk to them, they're the same. I mean, if they're a troublemaker, they're still a troublemaker. And, uh, you know, you got to kind of take the bull by the horn sometimes. And, and ghost hunters, and you can comment on this, if you like, or any part of it. But, you know, when I see them on TV, it really kind of irritates me in a way because I, although they're, they're documenting things scientifically, so to speak, um, they're not, you never see them trying to actually move people on into a better place. They leave them there in, in turmoil and they're not uh, addressing their issues and needs. And I wouldn't want to leave anybody in a place they really didn't need. They need to understand what they're doing and how to move on without fear and so forth. So I don't know. You comment on that. I, I get a chance to do that a lot. I, I absolutely will not leave someone behind. I will not leave them behind. If I see a soul that needs to go into the light, regardless of where I am, I'm going to get them across. I have had difficulty with one that I cannot, I will not get to, I cannot get to, uh, I've tried to get them across and they hadn't wanted to go across, but there is a lake here in the woodlands. It's a man-made lake. And before it became a man-made man lake, it was a trailer park. Wow. And so many of uh, my law enforcement friends would, you know, had told me stories about what had happened at the trailer park years back. But interesting enough, there is a spirit that resides there in the lake. He has no idea the lake is there. He sees it as if the trailer park is still there, same place he was shot before, and he's still living outside of his trailer. There's no trailer present. So a lot of times these spirits that are bumping around at someone's house, they're bumping around because where they are currently may not have been present in their realm of, of knowing. Right. So it's very interesting. It's uh, I've come across situations where there was a uh, spirit in the house and a spirit in the field and neither spirit interacted with each other. 
And you would think if you're a spirit on the other side, wouldn't you be hanging out with other spirits? And that's not the case right. because they're still in their time period and they're still seeing the surroundings just like they had seen it. Right. And the, the, the layering of time right. over the same space. So you could have three spirits all in the same space, but they're from a different time period and haven't moved. And so, yeah, it's, it, it gets really complex in some cases, especially those places where, let's say, a lot of tragedy has occurred, like battlefields, where there's been battlefields time and time again, especially in Europe, you know, year after year, decade after decade, having different wars and battles and people dying layered upon layered and, and haven't moved on. Oh, absolutely. And I found that quite a bit in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. because, yeah, there was just so, so much you know, that was left behind as far as souls. And even some of the weaponry, you can still see, you know, the land carries so much energy from what occurs on it. So even if there was a murder there and we, we go in and we help the person across, maybe they didn't know they were killed. We help them across. The energetic imprint is still upon the land. The energetic imprint of any type of uh, trauma, or uh, even excitement, you know, even in a good, you know, you walk into a place and you feel, gosh, this place has good vibes. There's an energetic print that is embedded in the land, in the building. And people feel it, you know, when you walk into a place. So I've even in ambulance, you know, you if you're inside ambulance or whatever, you can feel the energetic imprint of the good and the bad, you know, either people rejoicing that they're going to be fine or, you know, someone that's passed. And I talk about that situation in, in my, how I found my superpowers, but the, uh, the energetic print upon a land or an object is just as important to clear if there's been trauma. So those that come behind us that are enjoying the land or enjoying the house, uh, they need to have a good experience there. And I've had this conversation with several law enforcement uh, individuals because in certain counties, there's not someone to go behind and clean up a crime scene. You know, you have housekeepers. Crime people do not clean up crime scenes. They go in, they take what they need, and then it's left to the family to figure out what to do. Right. But it goes beyond the blood and the, and the bodily fluids that are left there. There's an energetic print that's left on the building, you know, on the ground. And those need to be cleared. So I, I really think there's a need, Terry, and I'm just throwing this out there to you and Tom, if you want to get together and do this, there's an energetic need for that to be cleared in crime scene type of situations, you know, to go behind and clear that energetic print, maybe not just for the family, but for those that come and live in the building or, or having experiences on that property after what has occurred. I, I couldn't agree more. And Tom, you, both of us are, you know, EMTs, you know, medics, whatever, as well as, you know, police and diving and all that. Tom, you've seen that in your, your line of work? Yeah, I mean, you'll see people come in and they'll try to clear the property, but only if they get those bump in the night type scenarios. Short of that, they don't pay much attention to it at all. And you can walk into a place and how many times have you had that gut reaction where you just go, ah, something's not right. You have no idea why. And what you're doing is you're reading that energy field that you're describing that's left behind. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, um, I had a lady call me and she's a, she's a realtor. She's phenomenal. She 
bought a house she got a really great deal on and she called me and said I hear something upstairs and it's you know really freaking me out now so right then I zoomed into the house and I saw a man upstairs older Hispanic male and he was walking around in a very small space like within a four foot radius and he just kept going back and forth and I I looked to see what's wrong with him. Is he, you know, is it dementia? What was going on? Well, he was caught in the smoke fire, you know, fire, and he couldn't see through the smoke. And I said, he died in that house. He didn't realize he had passed and he's still trying to get out. And he keeps moving within this small area. So she said, well, I'm going to do some digging. And she did some digging and she found the newspaper article that talked about the house fire and how the house was rebuilt. So where he was trying to go, he was trying to find the hallway and he kept moving between where is now her bed and the bathroom. So she was, we were able to clear it and we did it over the phone. We cleared it. I had her walk through, walked her through and she she was very grateful. But the the person that was, the, the soul that was the most grateful to it was him because he was stuck in that trauma of still trying to get out. So, you know, when people wonder, you know, if you're a ghost and you're haunting or do they come back and they seek revenge, they're not seeking revenge. Nobody on the other side passes, goes into the light of God and comes back to seek revenge. And those that are here struggling with their presence, uh, such as in this case, he wasn't trying to harm her he just wanted to get out of the smoke fire. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <clears throat> my son did um, a summer in doing university work in uh, Spain, and they went on a tour with a whole group of students. And as they were going through and checking different places out, they went in front of this one particular place in, in Spain. And and he goes, I'm not, I'm not going in there. And they're like, well, yeah, come on, this part of the tour, you're going in. He goes, no, no, no. This is a bad place, and I am not going in. And they kind of went back and forth, and finally the rest of them went in. And he was sitting outside, and he finally asked uh, uh, somebody he thought was intelligent enough to know. He said, what is this place? And they said, oh, well, this is the place that the Spanish Inquisition began. Hmm. So all the torture and stuff took place down in the basement, I guess. And that's what he was feeling. You're talking about an imprint and souls still there that haven't, that are lost, you know, and, and need to be moved. And, you know, I said, well, what, you know, because I asked uh, ask him several times, why don't you move these folks on? He does occasionally, but he goes, mm, that's more your gig. You can take a thousand of them and move them at once, you know? And I said, <laughs> I, I, okay. But the, the, the thing is, a lot of people will feel it, seal it, but they don't do anything about it. And that's kind of my point. And you're doing things about it. Uh, which, you know, I, I love to do as well to, to move them where they're supposed to be, you know, and I, I use, I use uh, angelic intervention to I bring down angels of escort and uh, we do a movement uh, if necessary. But um, I had four different psychics at one point hit me up. I was down in your state. In fact, I was down visiting and all of a sudden uh, over a thousand, they told me I wasn't paying attention. I was just drinking a Pepsi and <laughs> Relax, and I wouldn't. I wasn't turned on. I was flipped off, and they said that all four of them said that, that hey, there's like a thousand Native Americans here, 
and they are calling you a name and she the, the oldest psychic the second oldest psychic she she um she said hey they've got this name for you and i said okay so what do they want you know because i wasn't tuned in at the time i really wasn't paying attention to be honest and she goes um they've been roaming for hundreds of years and they don't know how to go home and they're ready and they said you can do it and i said okay so i went ahead and did what i do and um which was kind of interesting and i i only gave them 10 seconds to get inside this space that i set up and um they were pushing and shoving and all kinds of stuff and the oldest um psychic who was there she's like 90 and she's she's yelling at him quit pushing quit shoving there's room for everybody get in get in and i was doing a countdown 10 9 8 7 and it got down to two she goes pull him in pull him in she's screaming she's 90 years old screaming and pull this guy in and then woof, did a collapse and boom off gone just like that and uh they they uh the four of them uh after it was all over i let them go ahead and explain what they all saw and they had all seen the same thing which was pretty fascinating Oh, yes. It, when uh, I've cleared some property uh, not too long ago that I mentioned in the book, and the area was really popular for ghost tours. And there were about 28 that, that crossed during the time we helped them across. And like you, I call in the angelic backup uh, yeah. and pull, pull them across. But a lot of the people in that group, you know, they're still living their experience. There were a couple of them that were aware of the current situation and the current things happening, but right. most of them were still wanting their house back. And their house was, you know, like three buildings ago yes. on that property. So it was difficult to explain, but they were very much ready to cross. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, we were out in the Gettysburg and we got to go out with uh, a guy who was a federal agent. He had uh, a lot of, uh, equipment, the equipment that artificially allows you to hear spirits, see spirits, stuff like that. And as we went to a, an area just on the border of the, of the uh, battlefield, uh, my wife saw a full, full body apparition run across the, the, the street kind of thing. It wasn't really street, it was kind of a dirt path. And anyway, we got to talk to a number of uh, departed ones because they had these great big uh, ears basically is what it amounted to where you could hear them in that frequency which was really cool without having to be psychic because um, my wife thought it was really neat and and they handed us the equipment and so forth and I, we ended up talking to uh one uh gentleman he was from a regiment in illinois um and he had died and and i said uh, what would you say if i told you let's see this was 2013 it was 2013 at the time and he said uh no, it's, it's, it's uh, 1863. And I said, uh, but what if I told you it was 2013? He goes, you're crazy. And, and I said, well, I guess if I was dead like you and didn't realize I was dead, I would say the same thing. So they really, as you pointed out earlier, they're confused. They, they really believe they're still in that time period. And until they become educated, and that takes some technique that you, know, you learn over time interacting, uh, they're, they're not going anywhere. Um, until they feel like they can safely move on. Right. And the beauty to helping them across, just like us, when you reincarnate, you learn more and more each time that you incarnate, not just here on earth, but on other planets. Yeah. And the beauty about helping them across is it allows that soul to continue to grow and to expand their light and to get to their higher frequency rather than stay earthbound. Yeah. 
earthbound's not where they need to be. They need to be moving on to their natural home. You know, I always tell people when they go, um, you're doing that number, that means home. <laughs> so they go, they go back that way. Um, but let's jump over to your energy field again. I want to talk about that some more. Um, how did you come to learn about seeing auras or energy fields? And, and how would you teach somebody else to, to maybe learn how to do that in that, in that realm? Very easy. I, I have several videos on TikTok where, and YouTube where I teach many different things on the spiritual level, but one is seeing auras. And what I usually suggest is if you can wait till about five or six in the evening when the bright light's gone down and take yourself to the park or sit out in your yard. And I want you to sit and blur your eyes out while you look at a tree. So allow your eyes to blur out while you look at something that's not moving or maybe a dog sleeping. And as you begin to blur out, you'll notice there's a, a white bright light that's around the trim of that living being. So it's around a tree, it's around a dog. It's, and eventually you're going to train your eyes to move outwards. For those people that sit in meetings, you know, periodically and they get bored, you know, you begin to fall asleep in a meeting or you're in church, I would say, look at the earlobe that's diagonal to you and allow your eyes to blur out. So look at the person that's diagonal to you and just look at the back of their head, their earlobe, and you'll begin to notice the light. And when you become not afraid uh, to see things, as you're practicing with your eyes, you're going to begin to just be able to see the light. But there's those that can turn it, tune into the light and then they'll just know, okay, this is the color that I'm getting because they'll pull in their clear sensing as they're doing that. And it's helpful to those people to begin to clear the blockages that's kept them from seeing certain images. You know, you, you'd said you're a medical intuitive, and I don't know about you, but when I do a full scan of somebody, I'm certainly utilizing one of the things is their auric field and, and you'll see spots or dark spots and, you know, in that sort of thing uh, in the field, uh, is that part of your medical uh, review on somebody? It actually is. I, I look for first when I scan someone, I look for black. And if I see black in the energy field, I usually recognize that as cancer. And that will indicate level four or five cancer. When it is almost like a brown to a black, I know, okay, it's probably like a three. When there's gray in the energy field over those type of organs, because I always look where the spots are. If it's over the organs, I know this can be cleared, but it's going to take some, you know, participation on the person's part. And sometimes it's not very easy to get them to want to change some of the ways because uh, some people just, you know, they don't want to hear what's going to help them on the physical level. You know, if you, if they can't put down one certain thing. And then there is times that in the energy field, you notice there's certain parts of the body that have been injured more than others and breaks will show up in the energy field. Um, I've seen weaponry in people's energy field from past lives uh, that have come up. And I talk a lot about hooks. And once those hooks are removed within the energy field, there's usually things in relationships that begin to open up. There's things in your life that begin to open up because depending on why the hooks were placed there to begin with, how you came across them really determines your path ahead. 
So I've seen hooks for people in relationships that they they've just kept doing the same thing over and over in a relationship and it's not working for them. They remove the hook and it's like they're a brand new person. Absolutely. Tommy, you, you, you're doing the same thing with equipment. You, you want to explain how that works? Yeah, very similar. Like we measure the human biofield and you can find those irregularities in it. And through introducing frequencies, you can usually balance out a lot of those problems. So very similar to what you're describing, there's different levels. And depending on the intensity, a lot of times you can balance the energy field before it becomes a physical ailment. So that's the goal, right? That promotes the wellness piece versus having trying to um, a recovery piece, if you will, from an illness. I love those machines. They're, they're absolutely spot on. I had a girlfriend, uh, she came to me and said, hey, you know, I'm going to do this bio machine. I said, okay, let's just take a scan and then you, you know, show it to her afterwards. Spot on. The yeah. bio machines are incredible. I mean, that is, and it's great because most people don't want to hear what an intuit has to say if they're not that open. But when you have the machine, they can't deny it. And I find that was particularly with the groups that I work with that are very um, skeptical to begin with, putting a little bit of science behind the woo-woo helps to let them make that path, you know, cross the path rather to acceptance. They still think it's weird when you scan them in three seconds and tell them about their life. Yeah. And it's brought on, but they're more accepting than if I just stare at them, blur my eyes, right? Like we can do and then go, hey, this is what's up with you. And they're like, go away, that kind of thing. So I find it's really good as far as the sales piece, if you will, in terms of selling the whole concept of this is real. Oh, yeah. The, the bio machine I've found is so spot on and people will walk away from it and actually take the advice, mm-hmm. do what they need to do, opposed to, you know, working with someone that, you know, because they really want to hold on to their own old ways and they're just not ready to hear the truth. When you show them the, the machine, it's too hard to deny. Right. You know, I think one of the most satisfactory things that comes from either doing it with a machine or doing it naturally is when somebody comes back to you and said, Hey, you actually saved my life. You've made something you have heard from them in months, but there was a change in the way they did something. They went and saw a doctor and got it confirmed and that kind of stuff. But I, from, for all of us as practitioners in one form or another, I think that's one of the most satisfactory things. Oh yeah, for sure. I, so, I uh, had worked with the guy and he came in for a reading for love and the uh, darkness in his energy field around the colon popped up. And I said, look, I know you came in for this, but you need to go get your colon checked out. Go get a colonoscopy. And he, he's 28 years old. Or, he said, okay, I'll go get it checked out. So he went to his doctor and he told his doctor he was you know, worried about this. And the doctor examined him and said, oh, you're fine. He called me back and he said, the doctor said I was fine. I said, I told you, go get a colonoscopy. Don't listen to that doctor. Find one that'll do a colonoscopy. He did and he was you know, pretty far along. And the <clears throat> when you're looking at something like that, you, you can push forward and say, okay, will this person get beyond it? And when you get a yes, it's like, okay, what's a spiritual lesson for this happening? What, what are they to learn? Or is it something that is to be learned by the family or the friends that are around them? For this guy's case, it was for him to rebuild connections with his family. And it was for the family to have acceptance upon him. 
And that's exactly what occurred. He was able to beat it. Nice. And, you know, clear it. But the, the clearing came with the acceptance from him and the family between. Once a spiritual lesson is achieved, the physical ailment heals up. But when we want to carry the, you know, the hurt or the physical ailment with us and we're not willing to let go of the emotion that's connected to it, then you're going to write it out. Yeah, couldn't be dead on. Exactly true. Exactly true. So, Catherine, so, how do you get that message to people in your work when they want to get rid of it, but they don't realize even what they're dealing with? It, it really depends on, I will look and see, are they willing to let go of if they're not? And there's a lot of times, I, I'll just channel the words. So in the sessions, I will channel uh, what their guides are saying on the, on the physical level. And I do a lot of writing. I don't like my throat being utilized. It's always bothered me. So I will pick up a pen and I'll just write something. And then I'll look at it and say, okay, this is what you're going to do. Hmm. But a lot of times when we're dealing with stuff, when we call in our spirit guides and angels, they come in and they make things obvious. And what I tell clients and uh, people that I meet, call in your spirit guides and angels and say, make it so obvious. I can't miss it. You can't miss it. Mm -hmm. bring in all the opportunities that I'm supposed to have and make them obvious because we live our life and, you know, we're just kind of like going through life like Mr. Magoo and we're not sure, you know, what direction your day is going to take you. But when you ask your spirit guides and angels to step in and to illuminate whatever it is you need to see, it's, you know, you're, you're, it's made very obvious and you're unable to miss it. And so that's usually what I'll do. I'll start telling them you're worthy to ask for your guides and angels to come in. They're all there for you. Everybody has at least one spirit guide. And so many people think, oh, there's nobody here for me. I've been praying for this. I've been praying for that. Okay, well, let's take a look at what you're praying for. Are you asking for another person? You know, because you can't say, oh, I really want Johnny to love me. Can't do that. Spending someone's free will. You have to ask for the person that's the highest and best for you to be in your life. And they'll say, oh, I guess you're right. You know, I have been praying for him to come back into my life. I said, it's like asking for a Pinto when you can have a Mercedes. Why would you want the Pinto? You know, uh, so it's interesting how they begin to change their perspective because they didn't think about that in the beginning. You know, it's like, you're having a problem in lo your love life or your relationship and you keep doing the same thing over and over and accepting the same type of people, there's an issue and it's not going to change until you wake up one day and go, you know what, I'm going to go completely opposite direction. Instead of dating this type of guy, I'm going to go for this type of guy and match on the love level. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they do have their own epiphanies, especially when you just sort of point things out and they're like, wow, nobody's told me that before. You know, you know, as, as a minister, uh, a lot of times people that are in the uh, religious field, shall we say, um, they find this objectionable, but I say this is in sync with everything that's biblical. And if you knew what you were actually looking at, the metaphysical side of the Bible, if you will, 
um, you would find this all in sync. And so sometimes we find resistance with exactly what we're talking about here uh, from religious, misguided religious upbringing, let's put it that way, or not fully involved religious upbringing, um, like not talking to the dead and what that, you know, that's against the rules to talk to the dead. Well, you know, I, I always said that the, the Bible is the most psychic book ever written because it's all downloaded uh, to these prophets and so forth that that made it happen. Uh, what's your what's your thoughts and how do you deal with folks that are really have come from a religious background? Well, that's an interesting story because uh, I've helped a few preachers across. I had one that I grew up uh, well, I was baptized Greek Orthodox and the Greek Orthodox church was so far from the house that I visited several different churches. Right. And when I became an adult, there was a Baptist church right behind the house that I was living in. So I would walk across the field to church and I loved it because it gave me that piece of, you know, you're walking across the field with your, your hat and your handbag and, you know, and you're enjoying church and then you walk home and you have your Sunday meal. So it gave me that nostalgic feeling. Um, but I had helped a few Baptist preachers across to the light. One of them was very, you know, he, had, he was very much up in age when he crossed. And he was afraid to go into the light when he passed. It was because he had, like you said, you know, there are certain things that you have to preach belonging to certain religions. And he had preached fire and brimstone for so long that he thought that's what he was going to get. And just because, you know, someone's living an occupation on the outside does not mean they're living that occupation on the inside, you know, and for law enforcement, you know, law enforcement, yeah, they're living the occupation on the outside and they're protecting, but they go home and they live that on the inside, you know, they, they feel that, that protection, but for people in, in, uh, occupations such as religious figures, priests or, uh, Baptist ministers, they are living an exterior that they're often not matching on the inside. And so I'm not saying all of them are, but there's, there's several. So we did get him across to the light finally. And it took a few rounds because I went across and said, look, it's completely fine. There's nothing happening over there. That's the fire and brimstone. When people have these near-death experiences and they say, oh, I went across and there was fire and brimstone and all that. Well, that's what their soul needed to see. Their higher self set that up so they could change what they were doing. But that's yeah. not what's, you know, there on the other side. Hell is what we make it. Whatever hell you set up for yourself, it's what you make. It's what you feel that you need to soul correct, correct you know, correct. So we did get him across. And uh, it was actually another minister that set, set this up and said, hey, can you help him across? And it was that minister that helped me on my path. He told me, he said, many people would not tell you what I'm telling you, but you can see things. God set you up to help others. And it was at a time I really didn't, that wasn't the message I was looking to hear. Yeah. But he said, I can't say that because most people at the church wouldn't agree with me. Absolutely. Totally get, totally get that. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we did have a podcast, Reverend Tom Brooks, um, 
went through hell. What, where did that come from? What it's all about? Um, and it went through the ancient um, experiences that what some of the uh, saints had said and where this all came from. I would encourage people to watch that on the podcast. Um, so we don't have the time to do it here, but it's very much in line with Catherine, what you just, what you just said. Uh, but it's, he actually did a full uh, master's thesis on hell. It was God's character in hell, I think is what it was called. And then uh, he shared much of that uh, on the podcast to help people be relieved of that. And, uh, you know, I had a, a Lutheran minister who got attached to a kid and the kid grew up and I had him in a Reiki class, a Reiki one. And during the Reiki one class, as I was using him as an example, I was working on him and stuff. All of a sudden it would turned into an exorcism because this guy was attached to him fully. And next thing you know, as I'm pulling him off, um, most of my students just kind of went, whoosh, <laughs> they walked back and I went in and because that's what I do. And uh, this, this student um, started screaming and, and quite a fit, let's say, and which is, yeah, it happens, I guess, in my life, but regular folks probably thought that'd be crazy. But uh, then this guy pops out and my son happened to be upstairs away from us. And uh, my wife asked him, what's all that screaming down there? He goes, uh, dad's doing an exorcism. <laughs> And the, and then uh, the guy popped out. I had to keep working, and I kind of forgot about the the priest that popped out. And or he's not a priest; looks like a priest. Lutherans look like priests. And uh, anyway, long story short, um, the guy was fine after that. But what I'd forgot, my fault. Where did the, where was the priest? And I'd already had a protection dome around my property, and he was still trapped. He was trying to get out of it, but he couldn't. And my son actually saw him in the kitchen, and he slowly walked up behind him because I didn't think he could see him, and uh, just barely like going to touch him like this, you know. And anyway, long story short, he turns around, and goes, oh! you know, the, the priest did, and whoosh, and my son goes like this, and the energy of my son knocked him all the way through the house and out into the driveway. Yeah. And then he called me and said, hey, you, you got to open up the dome. And I said, OK, hold on. And I said, here we go. And I said, I'll give him 10 seconds. Go to the end of the driveway. I'm going to open up the dome. He can get out. And we opened up the dome. And he was my son was watching him. And he goes Poof, right out the door as quick as he could. And I closed it back up and he was gone. But he was bebopping around our house for a couple of days until my son noticed it. And then we had to get rid of him, you know, and go from there. So, and then I had the guy uh, actually go research his church to see who this was. And he actually figured out who this, who this guy actually was and scared to death that he's going to go to hell. Oh yeah. And that's usually what it is beyond wanting to communicate with somebody and really want somebody to do something for them that they should have done or remaining communication, which those are usually easy to do, but if they think they're going to go to hell, man, they're not going anywhere. Unless yeah. you really got to work with them. Yeah, it's so funny when you talk about entities, you know, that you've, I really truly believe you've got to write a book on your exorcisms because <laughs> people want to hear about it, you know, yeah. because they know it happens and it's just, it's not talked about enough. Uh, but you do see these entities that look like, you know, they're really kind of not of this time period of this world. They're really ancient things. Right. I had an experience my son and I were on the golf course. He was seven years old. And all of a sudden I felt something come up behind me and I'm like, what the heck is that? I couldn't get a visual on it. And I thought I've got to run a little bit ahead so I could turn around and get a look at it. So he's tossing his football 
and I run a little bit and I could feel it come up fast behind me. And I told my son, I said, what the heck is that? You know, look, what, what is it? I was freaking out. And he said, oh my God, I've never seen anything like it. Finally, I got like far enough away from it to get a look at it. And it was something of like a pirate looking guy. But I, it was like so weird that he was still in his, you know, gear, his mindset of this is what's happening. And we eventually got him across to the light, but that was, uh, that was quite an experience. That's the only time that I ever had something like come after me to chase me, but he was wanting my help. I just wanted to look at him. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, they do show up from time to time, especially if they think they can get some help from you. And uh, I'm sitting in my living room one time and all of a sudden, poof, this thing shows up on my wall. And I said, they don't bother me anymore. I go, so who the hell are you? <laughs> and he goes, I'm a Gorgon. I said, a what? And he goes, a Gorgon. And I said, well, you're not here. And I just hit him with light and <laughs> pieces. And then at the time, this was years ago, I, uh, I went and looked it up. And, you know, what the hell is a Gorgon? Well, um, that is, and he looked exactly, I looked it up in ancient Greek uh, mythology. Gorgons were like in hell kind of thing. And th- what I saw was exactly what I found in my research book. Exactly. And then later on, um, the Greeks uh, changed Gorgons and expanded what it was. So like Medusa with all the snakes coming out of her head and stuff, she was a kind of a second generation Gorgon. But this first one was kind of a round blob. It almost reminded me of like uh, something on Ghostbusters, the movie, you know, kind of that green blob thing, but it was it had a character to it. And I just had a conversation with it. And I said, well, you're not staying here and blasted him. And he was gone. And uh, that was that. But yeah, if they know, and once you open a vortex, especially when somebody dies, there's a vortex that opens and other entities come rushing over to either use it or see what it is. And they're really excited about it and all that kind of stuff. So uh, oftentimes I'll tell, you know, if, if an entity is wanting to leave and, you know, and they, they got some things to do, just go to the nearest funeral home. And when somebody's there and their light opens up, you can use that too. You can go if you wish. It's, it's oh, yeah. up to you. But, uh, and some do, some don't, you know, you just, but I also said, listen, I didn't sign up to be the garbage collector of the world, you know, I mean, and they're not garbage. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean it that way, but I mean, I've got a life to live too. And, and going around and cleaning all that up is, is a big job. And it takes a lot of people and you got to have, I think, a, a very special subset of skills uh, to be able to do that. And you, you can't be fearful. You've got to be able to walk into it. And as I've told Tom before, I mean, it, get a, get a 45 stuck to your head where somebody's going to kill you. That might be scary, but an energy field, as long as you understand the science of it um, and high vibration always, um, you know, dissipates low vibration. So you're always going to win. And you have not only, as the Bible says, not only do you have power, but you have authority. They don't have any authority. We do. And uh, we, we, we run this realm in this particular area. So that, that's my take on it anyway. Yeah, I've, I've found the, be- uh, the best treasure trove of getting souls across as much as possible is the memory care facilities. I have found, yeah, I go there, open up a portal to get someone across that I know hasn't crossed. And there's like thousands that go through those portals. So I've taken a drive to a few memory care facilities and gone in and opened up portals to help them cross because they never even knew they had passed. Yes. And those places, I was going to say, they're absolutely infested. Oh yeah, for sure. Infested. 
That's the yes. treasure trove of finding souls to help across. Yes, it so is. If you want to work, go to those memory care facilities. You got that right. And because uh, so many people die in there and, uh, you know, nursing homes and, and whatnot, you know, you see that. And, uh, you know, I talked to one uh, special, well, he was a, he was a psychic medium. Uh, he didn't really like to practice, but he had a skill and he would walk through hospitals and he would actually see what we would call demons on people. And so uh, one example he gave us, you know, they get some people in there, they have these ticks and they're going like this and going like this and going like this. And they're doing it all day long like this. And what he would see is an entity sitting on their shoulder, poking them in the ear and they were reacting to it because they had mental issues to begin with. But he would see this thing. And then these things that he was seeing would look over at him and smile because they knew they could, he could see them and uh, that kind of thing. And it creeped him out. You know, he didn't really like to go do that, but he was extremely skilled at it being able to see that the entities that are debopping around in the, <laughs> in the ethers. So oh, yeah, it happens quite a bit with people who have addictions, uh, alcohol and drug. I found several entities on people in rehabs yes. where, you know, I've worked with others in rehabs and found these entities. And once the entities are removed, you know, their addiction's gone yep. and they don't even want it. You know, and it, either they were wreaking havoc in their life for one reason or another, so they could have some sort of enjoyment. But we get the entity across and they're free. You know, one of the areas, maybe you see this too, and I, Tommy, you probably do too, but um, teenagers, early teens, you know, tweens, if you will, uh, and it starts sometimes earlier than that. There's an entity that's wanting to, uh, you know, control them. And I always say they start out at this direction, they maybe have just, like puppeteering, they have little strings on them and they'll move them here and there. And eventually over time, it gets closer and gets closer and it gets closer. And pretty soon they overlap one another where they, the kid doesn't even know his personality from the entities who's almost a second skin. Um, and I had one that I peeled off a guy and I guess I used the term peeled off because um, the guy described it as having a sunburn and when people will peel their skin back he goes when you peeled it off of me it was so close to me when he peeled it off I, it actually hurt as it came off of my skin and that was the way he described it and then after that fine but yeah he said that was how close and he'd been there for so long oh yeah and that's that's pretty grimy but I don't have I don't have a you would say a, a tolerance for that. I, I that that lights me up if you want to use that term. That lights me up when somebody's being um, harassed by an entity that has no authority to be there in the first place. But oftentimes they're invited in, at least subconsciously, by the person. And I know Tom, you find that as well. You know, they they if you want to comment on that, yeah, especially in the age that you're mentioning, where those kids are trying to create their identity. And so they're seeking out who they are, what they are, all that kind of stuff. So it leaves a door cracked open for the entities to be able to work their way in. And you see in adults too, they're just looking for a self-identification, right? They're a little bit lost in their life and they're just looking for something to hang on to. And it just creates that potential, if you will. doesn't mean it's going to happen, but the opportunity becomes available to those folks to cross in and be connected. And that's the challenge. So they have to get a boot in the ass, so to speak, to send them back on their way. Absolutely. You look like you're deep in thought, Catherine. Well, I was I was wondering with uh, Tom's work on the with the bio machine, how often do you pick up entities using the bio machine? I don't see it that way as much. I usually get the sensation that I need to check further that they're there. 
Um, you might see some energetic shifts, depending if you happen to be there when you see them released or see them come in during the course of a treatment. But by and large, it's, you know, it's not going to pick up necessarily some of my experience that way as much as intuitively I get it. So are there times where after you've scanned them with the bio machine, you're able to say, look, this is what we're going to do to get them across and you clear them afterwards? You can see an energetic shift because they, they're more vibrant. You know, they don't have that drain on them any longer. And so when you rescan them to see what their energy levels are, you'll see an increase a lot of times in their in their body, their function. That's see, and that's that's what they need to walk away with. That's their takeaway for anyone. You know, if they're not willing to see someone that will just scan them uh, by at least going to the bio machine and then you helping them uh, helping them to clear spiritually with your gifts after they've had the machine. They can tell the difference. And it doesn't even have to be an entity. It can just be traumas that they're storing in their body. Um, there's a case that I use in one of the classes that I train people in. This was a uh, military person, special operator, multiple tours. And we measure him, his heart rate variability. And going from think about something good, go to a good place, so to speak. 15 minutes later, we just said, and he hadn't moved. Think about something from your military experience that's you know bothersome to you. And literally just shifting his mind, his heart rate variability dropped 25%, which is a significant drop because heart rate variability is a measure of life. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, I do tell people, I make it real simple for them. As it relates to entities, I said, think of yourself as a giant Slurpee and they're just sticking their straw in you and sucking off your energy because they need it because they haven't crossed and they need their energy to, to survive. And if you're going to let them do that, then you're going to suffer all the same consequences that they have. Whatever problems they have, it's going to manifest in you slowly over time. And you need to remove that. And then, of course, I guess the question would be, if you were going to advise somebody, hey, you've got an attachment to you. Well, how would you know that? If you're just Joe Sixpack, how would I know I had an attachment to me? What would, what would you tell them, Catherine? Well, I will tell you, I would say go back to the time period where you felt like your personality took a big shift or your life took a dive because you can almost always figure out at what point that came in. And some people will say, well, you know, during this time I was, I was a heavy drinker or I did this and they'll be able to go back to that time period. I have noticed people who are alcoholics when they drink till they pass out there's little wormholes that come up in their energy field and it makes it very easy for an entity to come in at that time period. So I've seen people with two or three entities in their energy field. And once they begin to get these cleared off and I'll say, hey, you've got someone here, you've got someone here. And they clear them off. They have no desire to do either one of them. But the, um, the interesting part with the entity coming on board I will also ask them, go back to places where you felt like you were, as you described, being a puppet for either your lifestyle or for someone else and clear the emotional connection to that time period by clearing the cord to it. Because we form cords to everyone. We form cords to people we love. We form, there's cords to situations that we've had. And if you don't clear it, it leaves it open for you to siphon off energy from each other. You don't want to do that. So after a psychic reading uh, or a session, I will always say, 
I give back your power to you and I call my back, my energy back to me so that that person is walking away with their energy because I've seen psychics walk around and they have all these people's energy on them. And then they're going, I feel like crap, you know, or, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, you're carrying everyone's energy. You've got to clear it. And many people identify as empaths and they will walk around, you know, feeling everything from everyone. Well, they're very psychically in tune. They're just going by the nickname of empath right now, but they've got to clear it. And the best way to clear it, I would say ground, call in the angels, the archangels, ask them to take it to light uh, for a lot of energy that they picked up from situations of where they thought they weren't living their highest and best. You know, maybe it was the years of alcohol abuse or whatever. Go in and clear that time period. You can go back. Your body's that time capsule, not just for this lifetime, but for other lifetimes. You can go back to other lifetimes and clear it. So when I'm scanning someone, I, I'll see maybe a weapon that was used on them in another lifetime. So uh, with one girl, I've seen, I saw a knife in her heart. You know, she could not figure out why she loved this guy so much. She was crazy about this guy. And he basically, you know, treated her like poop. And she continued to go back to him. And I said, let's just take a look at this. So I regressed her and it went all the way back to a lifetime where he couldn't be with her because he was in a different class and she was meant to marry someone else because her family arranged it. And so it was basically, they were together that last intimate time and he pierced her heart with a knife. So that energetic cord from piercing the heart carried all the way to this lifetime. So when she saw him, she's like, Oh, I love you because he's got that thread to her heart. She didn't realize the thread to her heart was set up by a weapon. So once a weapon's removed, she's like, I don't even know what I was thinking. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like in the current political climate, some of the people who do energetic healings are going to be attacked in the sense that I think some states are going to take matters into legislation where you will not be able to do some of this stuff. I know Tommy, your, your, your state um, is addressing that right now. I find that is a tragedy and I don't know that it can actually be enforced because uh, it's getting into religion uh, to a great degree, a, a belief system, a spirituality. Um, but um, there are states that are really gonna try to crack down on uh, what they don't understand. And, and try to limit people's ability to come to see practitioners uh, like us uh, for assistance. And uh, Tom, what you, what's going on there in Massachusetts? I mean, there was some stuff. Well, they try to regulate everything, you know, put it under either psychology or the medical world. Um, so anything that's outside the box whatsoever, they're not very comfortable with here. And unfortunately, we have quite a history here with the Salem Witch Museum, you yeah. know, area up there in Salem, Mass. So. Um, this precedent, if you will, as far as people being scared of what they don't understand here. Right. Well, I, and I think uh, Florida at one time had to, I think you had to do like 400, to be a hypnotherapist, you had to do like 400 hours under the tutelage of an MD. Well, there's no way you're ever going to get that done. Or you had to be an MD or a PhD in order to do it. Um, but uh, hypnotherapy has been done for centuries upon centuries, way back past the Egyptian time to, to assist and uh, in, in helping people. And, you know, the ancient mystics knew of this and used it regularly. So I think it would be um, 
quite a mistake to try to ace that all out and take it into uh, you know the standard MD office, which clearly will not have time. You know how much time you all spend with an individual. There's no way you're going to get that in a doctor's office, uh, and and nor will it be. Even though they might learn a technique, they won't have the energetic wherewithal to go with it, and so the outcome won't be the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can have the tools, but that doesn't make it you're artful with the tools. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time here. Um, Catherine, any any, uh, any psychic information you want to give Tom or I that, uh, yes, <laughs> that might I, be helpful? I want to just share. I had mentioned the other day when I saw you, you're a Blu-ray. And looking at Tom, Tom's a Blu-ray, but he's got this uh, violet light that comes through him. He's got a lot of St. Germain with him. Uh, he's got St. Uh, Archangel Michael with him, but he's got a lot of St. Germain. And I saw Archangel Michael with you the other day when, because I had a session with Terry and I loved it. It was, it was so clearing. Uh, I think for each of us that are in this, this work, it's like, we need others because we need clearing periodically from what we're working with. Mm-hmm. But um, I noticed with you, uh, there's there's always one side of our body that we have more accidents on than another. And with Terry's, it was the left. With Tom's, it was the right. And so that's what I saw when I scanned. And then the other thing, because I when I scanned you the other day, I saw a lot of shapes and geometric stuff in your energy field, Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Tom, as Tom was talking, he had a lot of stars. Uh, he had a lot of the galactic center in his energy field, which I was really surprised with because of what he's doing with the bio. You know, he's so much more than that bio machine. So part of what he's offering in his service, he's clearing people outside of that bio machine, even when they're not even aware of it. And we had talked about that with you and that blue light uh, of what you're bringing in for healing. So for the law enforcement work that you guys have done and for the EMT, for all the stuff that you've done, you've brought healing light to those locations. And even when you're around people and you're like, I can't believe I'm around this guy, you know, your light actually activated a, a dormant part of that person's being, maybe a part that they forgot they even possessed for this lifetime because they've taken on the role of thug or murder or whatever. Uh, but that dormant seed will open up at some point. And for those of us brothers and sisters that are out there with the light, you know, you cannot choose. Uh, there, there's a higher, uh, our higher self is the one that brings forth, you know, the light. We're connected to our higher self and that operating ability of who we're awakening at certain times just by being somewhere or having to be around a person may not be apparent to us on the human level, but you guys have done so much light sharing and activation uh, during the course of your careers that's helped so many people, even people that really were not in the place or others may seem them as not worthy of it. If they don't open up during this lifetime, they will on the next one uh, because of the light that you brought forth in this one. Well, that's 
that is interesting. I always call myself Johnny Appleseed. You just plant a seed, give it to God. He'll take care of it when the time is appropriate. And uh, you move on because you don't have time to sit there. You got so many things to do on your agenda from a spiritual point of view. And, and just, just existence, you know, um, itself with the right mindset, I think, can focus. Because, by the way, you light up when you're getting your information you 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 light up uh pretty dramatically uh catherine when you when you're getting your information it's pretty interesting to watch and i see i see purple glow uh around you when that happens and, it, and it's it's and, and some white light of course but um but pretty interesting how it how you it intensifies when you're connecting and i suppose you know that already but uh but it's fun to watch Thank you so much. When I go into session, I'll leave a session and I'll forget a lot of what was said because I just sort of step aside. And I and I do the same thing at weddings. You know, I've done a few, I've done officiating a wedding and I will channel the information. Mm -hmm. uh, so we never know what's going to come forth at that time period. Fantastic. Well, um, appreciate all this. Um, do you have any parting words, Kathy? You want to leave the audience with? Uh... Yes, check out uh, my book, Self-Help Slut. Terry, your copy is on the way to you and I will be getting your address, Tom, so I can send you a copy. It's all about cleaning your energy field of other people's shit and starting with a clean slate. And then I just have my uh, not for resale copy, proof copy of It Was Murder. And it gives you not just the uh, victims that I have spoken to, uh, in these cases, but it also gives a spiritual lesson of what I learned with it. Mm -hmm. And it's not just what is on the surface of what humans may look at, you know, what happened, but actually the spiritual message behind it. So it was murder comes out October 7th. And awesome. I'm super excited just in time for Halloween for everyone. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Tommy, you got any, any closing words? And I just want to say congratulations on the new book and the prior book and really appreciate you being here today and sharing this information with everyone. I'm sure people will be excited as they listen through this podcast and uh, probably be reaching out to you on your website as well for further stuff. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. Oh, no problem. And, and for the folks listening, we will have Catherine's information on our website. So you can go there and you can see all the books and you can see how to contact her. And uh, I will give her two thumbs up. <laughs> and I don't do that very often, but she's absolutely phenomenal and very original and true uh, in what she does. So I really, really appreciate you coming on. And uh, so folks, we will, uh, from here, all of us here at the Metaphysical Mysteries, we will talk to you soon. And we appreciate you uh, being here with us. See you next time.